On behalf of the CEO, I would like to thank you, Jim, for sharing your witness talk for the second time. As you know, uh, a week ago, we had technical difficulties with the, the live uh, taping, and so we're uh, very thankful to, to, to you for, for sharing again. Your talk is titled, Searching for God in All the Wrong Places. I want you to take us back to, uh, to your childhood. You shared with us about your wanting to know God. Mm -hmm. And you're longing, even at an early childhood, uh, share with us. Huh? Right, right. Well, thank, thank you, Gary, for having me. It's great to be here in this conversation. You know, about our faith journey. We're all travelers together. We're all traveling on this journey together. So I got to travel back 68 years. <laughs> Not easy to do sometimes. But, you know, even as a young person, um, as a first grader, that's when we started the Baltimore Catechism. That's in 1951. So I didn't remember, but so I went back through technology. I went back on my computer screen and looked up the old Baltimore Catechism. So the fourth question in the Baltimore Catechism is, how do we get to heaven? And how do we come to know God? Well, the answer is that we just have to uh, know, love, and serve God. Then the next question is, well, how do we know, love, and serve God? We follow the teachings of the Catholic Church. So, you know, I went through all them years of coming to know God in a knowledgeable way up, up here. I didn't know God in here. I knew about God, but I really didn't know God. And For a young person, even through my high school years, I was challenged by that question. I remember as a senior, for example, um, we had a, a priest that taught us theology my senior year. He wrote all these things on the board that we were supposed to take notes. And of course, uh, I wasn't a great note taker. I got an F in religion that year. But part of that F was, he wasn't teaching me to know God. How can you love and serve a person that you really don't know? <laughs> I remember as a kid, when I was probably in junior high, I used to watch uh, Oral Roberts, um, Kenny Copeland, Jimmy Swagger, who loved the piano, his piano just rocked, they used to like his <laughs> piano. But I remember Oral Roberts especially, he would heal these people, I mean, he would go up and hit them, you know, and they would go down. And, I thought, what have they got that we don't have? And a couple of times he would say, you know, do you want to be saved, blah, 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 do you want to feel the power of God? And he said, come up and lay your hands on the TV. And I, <laughs> I'd look around, of course, <laughs> and then I'd go up and lay my hands on the TV and he would say these prayers and boom, nothing would happen. <laughs> nothing would happen. So, you know, that, that struggle, I, you know, it shows my search for really mm -hmm. wanting to know God. So as a young person, it was quite a journey. And then, of course, uh, after graduation, it continued. Uh, um, I went to work for the railroad and finally met Sue. And uh, that's my wife. And then we, of course, got married. But my, even our marriage, I think because my, I had knowledge of God, and my knowledge of God, actually, the more I knew about God, the more I feared him. You know, some of our Catholic tradition, we spent more time in the confessional than we did any other place. Mm -hmm. We went to church every day, as it was just part of our curriculum, and we went to confession at least, if not once a week, it would be two weeks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was kind of a guilt, guilt type thing. Um, so that kind of followed me through my young adulthood. Sue and I got married, and then, uh, for my own part, I think it was a selfish marriage. I think I felt... Um, I'll do it for you, Sue, but what's in it for me? Keeping score. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
keeping the old friends, mm -hmm. you know, and we drinking friends. Mm -hmm. I was kind of single, mm -hmm. yet married, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So um, we were married probably a year, and then Sue got pregnant, and uh, her pregnancy went on, and about seven months into her pregnancy, one night, all of a sudden, she woke up and said, my water broke. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what does that mean? We didn't know, that, that, you know. Yeah. This is 45 years ago, yeah. living in a small town. Well, I called the doctor up, we went right to the hospital, and uh, they took Sue into delivery, and I waited out in the hallway. There wasn't a waiting room, and a nurse came out of delivery, and she said, we got one of them. And I said, what do you mean you got one of them? She said, well, don't you know you're going to have twins? And we said, we didn't know. Um, anyway, uh, the first, Bobby Joe was stillborn. Becky Sue lived for three days. And they were two and a half pounds. And, but the thing that, that kind of drove a wedge between my relationship with God at that time was that when Bobby Joe died, we never got to see her, never got to hold her. I was told to meet this priest out at the cemetery, and we buried her. Three days later, it was the same process. Nobody come to visit my wife, nobody so, from the so church. Wasn't there. She no, the no, she was in the hospital, but nobody come to visit her. No grieving, no, no way to say goodbye, no funeral. I thought there was a real lack of respect for my children, and that angered me with the church, and it angered me about God. So I thought, screw it. You know, if, if, that's, if that's the God that I didn't know anyway, and was the one that I knew about, I didn't want to know any more about him. Yeah, what's, what's you know? the purpose? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So the selfishness, and looking for God in all the wrong places, that's where it kind of began. Mm -hmm. I kind of... Uh, so then did, did you, your faith then, as far as your upbringing in faith, you just kind of started to drift away from that then a little I bit? I did, I did. You know, the roots were there. The, the roots were there, but I could care less. Mm -hmm. I didn't care if mm -hmm. I went to church. I did because Sue wanted me to go. Mm -hmm. You know, again, what do I have to do to you, mm -hmm. for you, and mm -hmm. what's in it for me if I kept her happy? Right. You know, we right. keep our wives happy. And, right. And right. Happy. That's important. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a very selfish attitude. So, and that continued on. We left, we were in Owain, we left Owain, then we moved down to Cedar Rapids. And, um, we did you, did, excuse me, did you, did you ever at any given time talk to a priest about just the anger, just the kind of the no. bitterness of how you, you were treated. And no. So you no. kind of just carried that around then? Really. I did because, you know, we're, we're coming from, you know, I graduated in 63, Gary, so Vatican II, uh, John XXIII really didn't kick Vatican II in until 1962. Mm -hmm. and, and that had such an impact later on, 14 years actually after Vatican II, I didn't realize the huge impact that it would have in my life. But, you know, um, I guess coming out of that other tradition, I didn't feel a closeness enough to, to do that. I guess I, I really, it's a great question, but I never thought about that. Um, so we, again, because I didn't do that, um, life went on in a very selfish way. My drinking became more and more a part of my life. And then I found this great job. It was like utopia because the guy that I work with, worked for, he was a drinking buddy of mine. Mm -hmm. All the guys I worked with, man, this was great. <laughs> These were all, this is where I could, I uh, found utopia. This uh, is a life that fit into my, my life so well. Um, we had 
you know, we had three children at that time. Uh, and then uh, we belonged to St. Matthew's Parish. Um, drinking got to be a real part of my life. I lived at, uh, well, the Green Gable, because the Green Gable was only two blocks from where I lived and only three blocks from where I worked. Mm -hmm. So the Green Gable was big, and of course, the Mirror Lounge, um, Lens 88, Joseph's 88, Bullichek's, Ernie's, Homeport, um, Eastside Maidrite, once a week, Eastside Maidrite. I was going to take a class at Kirkwood because I was an apprentice and Tool and I, and Eastside Maidrite was every Thursday night. Every Friday was a horrendous hangover. It was, obviously that was an escape for you. It was. It wasn't so much the drinking. I'm not telling you I'm an alcoholic, but the place that I went, the tavern, when I closed that door behind me, it was a freedom, no responsibility. I didn't have to listen to, and Sue had, had three kids and pregnant with the fourth. That couldn't have at gone that, very well. At, at that time. No, absolutely not. So it got to a point that um, uh, she had enough, and I came home one night, and Sue had left, took the kids, and had left. And um, she wrote me a note, and uh, the note basically said either um, you become a husband and father that you always say you want to be and aren't, or this is the darkness that you're going to live in. So obviously, I, you know, it made me look at myself, and um, I wanted my family. Um, I wanted to be a good dad. You know, I used to sit at the gable, and some of our biggest conversations about how good a dad we wanted to be, or husband. Oh, give me another beer. I want to talk about this. So I just slid downhill, and so that made me wake up. She didn't leave long. Sue just left that note, that darkness. She came back the next day, and. Uh, you know, old habits are hard to change. I don't think, I probably said I want my family back, but I probably went right back to the Green Gables. Shortly after that, there was a, a mission at St. Matthew's Parish. And through her suggestion, or the power of God, <laughs> I look back at that now. A little bit of both, probably. Amen, Gary, yeah. amen. <laughs> and uh, so we went, I went to it. Father Paul Weiss, never forget his name, never forget the man, I wrote him a, a letter after this mission, thank him so much. I don't remember what he said, but I remember that something happened at that mission. Um, the first night I went, and I know it was encouraging because I went back the second night, and I was, the second night I was empty. For some reason, I don't know if I had, was a hangover or whatever it was, this was a long time ago. So, um, I remember sitting in the middle of St. Matthew's on the right-hand side, looking up at that, and they still got the same cross, uh -huh. same one. Uh -huh. It's beautiful, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what that is. Oh, I do. <laughs> I mean, sure. you're there. You I'm sing there. to it all the time, yeah. don't you? Yeah, every day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, I sat there, empty, and I said, okay, God, if you, if you are what you say you are, then I, I need you. And... Um, as I, as I sit here with you today, and Mike, we had a great person here taking this, doing a state, Mike. <laughs> uh, from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head, I, don't, I can't, I don't know. It wasn't a feeling, it was a knowing. It wasn't a feeling, it was a knowing. Something, it was just like, whoosh! I've been here all the time, you big jerk. Now you, yeah. you make the choice. 
You know, I felt like Bartimaeus. A couple Sundays ago, we talked about Bartimaeus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Bartimaeus, this blind beggar, that's all he did all of his life is begging, he's blind. So Jesus says, Bartimaeus, what do you want? He said, I want to see. And I'm sure Jesus had to say, are you sure you want to see? Because if you see, you're going to have to go to work. You're yeah. going to have to do something. Exactly. Yeah. Do you really want to know me, Jim? Do you really want to know me? And you know, maybe I look back, maybe I really didn't want to know Jesus because I could never be the same. Mm -hmm. I couldn't go back mm -hmm. to my friends. You started to realize your selfishness started to kind of break Absolutely. away a little bit. Absolutely, yeah. Gary. So um, it was just a tremendous knowing. And all of a sudden, because you know, it opened the door to love and serve. Well, the next night, I went back, because Father Paul White he says, hey, come back tomorrow night, because we got something special for you. So I uh, went back there the next night, and he, uh, he had this general confession. Never heard of it before. He said, you know what? You don't have to tell me how many times you did it. You don't have to tell me how many, when was your last confession. All you got to do is come in and talk about your pain. I left that, Gary, for the first time in my life, I felt forgiven. Because all them times when I talked about earlier, the confessional when I was in school, and as a teenage boy, I bargained. When I went in that confessional, I thought, I can't tell him how many times I did that. He knows me. I'm ashamed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you're sitting out in a pew, and you know, you're dealing with mortal and venial sin at that time, and all your, the whole class goes up and go to communion. Are you going to sit, I, you know, mm -hmm. we bargained. And then, yeah. and then lived in that guilt. Yeah. My God, yeah. I, felt, I felt forgiven. I thought, holy yeah. crap, this is awesome. How freeing, huh? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and don't you think as far as with the real mercy of God and the love of God, yeah. when we experience that yeah. versus the judgmental God that right. so many of us grew up with. Absolutely. Yeah. Well... Yeah, absolutely, you know, and you get back to that Bartimaeus story, you know, Bartimaeus, the only thing he ever owned in his life was his cloak. And when he, when he seen and they followed Jesus, he took his cloak off. He took everything that he owned and he left it behind. Well, I could, you know, that cloak, it's hard, for, it's hard to peel off for us. And I think that's, after that, that whole, that awareness of God in my life now, God is saying, do you really want to know me? So what are you going to do now, Jim? What are you really going to do? So um, actually what I did is, it was hard to say goodbye to my, those people. So I, I didn't go back, I went back, but I didn't go back. It's hard to explain. Mm -hmm. Because I, I did go back, but I sat there going this. You were a different person. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, what had happened is that I, uh, we had our house up. We lived in Green Avenue at the time, and uh, we put the house up for sale. Well, I came home one night. I had been drinking again, and uh, there was an offer on the offer on the counter. Sue wasn't there. I signed the offer. Didn't even talk to her about it. Sold the house, twelve thousand five hundred dollars. We had thirty days. We had to be out in thirty days. So my wife, who was the pillar of of all this. Sue is that oldest son in the prodigal son. She was the one who's always faithful. And she found us a house mm -hmm. over here where St. Louis Miller's is in 33rd Avenue. So we moved into that house. And because of that move, um, uh, was 
uh, at that point in time, there was, in our liturgical year, was just about Lent. We moved in the house. Um, actually, the, the one, one of my friends who I drank with really challenged me that Lent. He said, you know what? Because you got a big mouth, you're always shooting it off about your family. He said, why don't you do something then? And so in order for all this to, to come into play, I said, I thought to myself, it was during Lent. And that Lent, I went cold turkey. I didn't go to any more taverns. I completely cold turkey. And when I did that, the word surrender always comes to mind. We're always kind of surrendering to the Lord. And that Lent, um, I started reading scripture from the New Testament. And Gary just spoke to you. The words, it was like every word that I read was, I thought, my God, this is true. This is what, it, this is what he's saying. And, went to, and then went to the Acts of the Apostles. <laughs> this is really cool. But what I did, I went from, and when Sue says this, my wife, she said, well, you went from the bar to the Bible. You know, you're still excluding me. Mm -hmm. Even though you're on this journey of, of mm -hmm. wherever you're going. So, um, my wife grounded me into that. And then from that, you know, this, this change um, comes very slowly in our life. Um, so I met some friends here at St. Luda Mellis, uh, a lady who was really uh, powerful in my life. This was in the 70s, this was the early 70s. So man, the, the church was hopping in the mm -hmm. 70s. We were, mm -hmm. we had Life in the Spirit seminars. Mm -hmm. We had Spiritual Life Congress. Uh, CEW, uh, Techs, um, Curseals, prayer groups. The Holy Spirit people, we, had, we had healing masses every month. Uh -huh. <laughs> people were getting slain in the spirit. I mean, it was just like this Vatican II thing started connecting. People started taking ownership in the church, and the spirit was alive. And all, this, all these things started uh, affecting my life. They started to speak to you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So... With that, where, where did your desire as far as the diaconate goes? Am I, am I getting too far ahead? Or no, I mean, no, you're, not you're, really. You're what? not too far from. You brought this, you brought us on. All right, let, let me and, uh, and share that. You want me to share it? You want Absolutely. To share it? No, okay. I want you to. This is the, the servant song. This, um, um, Jim had his son Steve sing it uh, at, at, the, at the, uh, the outreach meeting. I'm going to read it for you. Will you let me be your servant? Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I might have the grace to. Let me be your servant too. We are pilgrims on the journey. We are brothers on the road. We are here to help each other. Walk the mile and bear the load. I will hold the Christ life for you. In the nighttime of your fear, I will hold my hand out to you. Speak the peace you long to hear. I will weep when you are weeping. When you laugh, I'll laugh with you. I will share your joy and sorrow till we've seen this journey through. When we sing to God in heaven, we shall find such harmony. Born to all we've known together, of Christ's love and agony. It speaks for itself, you know. Will you let me? Will you let me be my servant? You shared with us 
Monday night of God not telling us, God asking us, inviting us. will you inviting us? Right, right. Um, we used that night uh, of the uh, presentation, our opening song was the summons, and the summons is great questions, you know. Will you, will you leave your other self behind? Mm -hmm. Will you take the cloak off? You know, do you really want to know me? And if you do, then you'll never be the same. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was about 1975 this would happen. Um, a, lot of, a lot of transition in life, you know, that call. Now I knew God. Now I'm called to really love and serve this compassionate God that can take uh, take us exactly where we are and, and allow us to be servants to God and to one another. So about 1975, um, the search was on. You know, we did want to serve God. We were involved in some things in church and got involved in parish council and those structures in our parish. I want to go something deeper. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we get back to St. Matthew's night. Mm -hmm. And the thing that struck me most of all, Gary, is that when I used to watch Oral Roberts and Kenny Copeland and Jimmy Swagger, it was always from it was always happening and not in the Catholic Church. We were always the church who never talked. Mm -hmm. We would sit here mm -hmm. during the, the Latin Mass. I remember going to church. I'd use the St. Joseph Missal, the middle of it, all the pages were real frayed, you know, mm -hmm. because you mm -hmm. because one side was in Latin, one side was in English, and a person next to me could be praying the rosary all during Mass because the Mass was in Latin. We'd never understand what's what on. was going mm -hmm. on, in a way. Mm -hmm. But the mystery was there. I mean, the power mm -hmm. of God was there. Mm -hmm. So, um, now that I, I knew this God and called to servanthood, so, you know, what, what could we do with that? Well, Sue um, read, she was reading one day in Reader's Digest, actually, oh. about the diaconate. Second Vatican II installed this and out of Reader's mm -hmm. Digest, she said, hey, look at this, isn't this interesting? And I thought, man, this is a way that that experience that happened in St. Matthew's, it happened in the Catholic Church. <laughs> that <laughs> was, I mean, it. I was yeah. shocked that yeah. it actually could happen, that yeah. we could experience a personal relationship with, remember that old, in the, in the, back into um, the uh, catechism, you know, if we just follow all the teachings and everything which lead us, if we allow it, it will lead mm -hmm. us to knowing God. Mm -hmm. And loving God. And lo yeah. loving God. Yeah. But here it was in the Catholic Church, I got zapped. In the Catholic <laughs> <laughs> it was just overwhelming. Uh -huh. So I thought, here's an opportunity to, to, form, to be formed, to be in a ministry where I can tell people. And you know what happened? This happened 40 years ago, and I just told people about it Last Monday, it took 40 years. It took 40 years to tell that story. Wow. Isn't, isn't that incredible? Yeah. Yeah. And, it happened in the, and it's all happened yeah. in the Catholic Church. So when she read that, I thought, man, this is exciting. The next Sunday, an associate pastor here, Father Paul McManus, preached about it. And when I left that, I thought, it's hallelujah. <laughs> Come on, Jim. Uh -huh. And then Dick Manning. A, a deacon was, was just started training the year before that, and um, I visited with Dick, visited with Father Cesic, who was our pastor, and Sue and I, it was a journey, it was, we're traveling together as a married couple, and we chose to do that, and that would have been uh, 37 years ago. Mm -hmm. 
So it was a way that I could respond to love, love God back for knowing God and being called to be servant that she so beautifully mm -hmm. read. Um, God continually calling you. Oh, right, right. Yeah. And, you know, the transformation doesn't, doesn't happen at St. Matthew's, it happens here. Um, mm -hmm. Last Monday I had all of our people from St. Louis Mills stand up because it's their witness. You know, Gary, look at Gary, as we sit here, CWs, in the music ministry that you're in the CWs. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, those we, were we formation can, years for me. It is, but when we meet at Walmart, yeah. all of a sudden, yeah. we are evangelizing each yeah. other. Yeah. Mike's, run, yeah, Mike, yeah. everybody, Mike's yeah. running the camera here, <laughs> smiling like crazy. I mean, he's evangelizing. We had, we had a great prayer before we'd done this. Um, you know, these people are sincere about their faith. And we evangelize each other. We convert each other. Conversion does not happen in one big gulp. It happens in teaspoons full. Yeah. I remember a, a movie. This is kind of, I don't know if you've ever seen What About Bob. Yeah. <laughs> this movie, yeah. it's uh -huh. a great comedy. Mm -hmm. But yeah. in the movie, this psychiatrist writes this book. And it's called Baby Steps. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. a step, a step mm -hmm. at a time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we were, I was an infant. I'm still an infant in God's eyes. But it's through baby steps and being led by the power of the Spirit that the transformation, you know, we're, we're sitting with St. Vincent de Paul. St. Vincent de Paul is, uh, I mean, right here, talking about evangelizing to um, be a servant. Uh, it's a community of people that, you know, every time we visit with people, we, we see the, the presence of Christ in the poor. Well, and don't you think it's our, our constant struggle with self? Is self is wanting to, is to, to take care of us. Yeah. And as, as, as we've shared, that when we truly get rid of self, when we take that cloak off, mm -hmm. we, oftentimes we just have to take maybe a shoulder at a time. Right, it doesn't come right, off right. very easy. Right. Right. But as we start to, to get rid of that and, and mm -hmm. look for things that, that we can be servants in our families. In Absolutely. Our families and, we don't have to know, look very far. No. And I think it's so important, as, as you shared, with sharing our witness in Jesus Christ with right. others. Right. You know, it, it is a little bit awkward with most, most Catholics. It is. There is a tremendous amount of Catholics that have personal relationships with Christ. Right. And right. we need to share that. We need to share the joy Absolutely. that we have Absolutely. from that. Yeah, we have a church founded in in Jesus, in the Trinity. We have these awesome, to me, the greatest tools of being connected to Jesus as our sacraments, the greatest tools. And, and now they just open up to us with, uh, they're not mysteries anymore, they're our everyday life. We celebrate Eucharist here, but you know what, when you go home with your, your kids, mm -hmm. and you maybe have a pizza or sit down around your table and, and love each other, that Eucharistic table just, just goes right home with yeah. us. And married, you know, we're all married here. You talk about reconciliation. I think the greatest, one of the greatest sacraments is marriage because we heal each other, we forgive each other, we are Eucharist to each other, we anoint each other. Mm -hmm. All seven sacraments awesome? are right there in that yeah. one. Yeah. So, share, share with us briefly um, being part of that as a deacon. You know, the, the joy that you experienced. You were sharing with me earlier of a wedding that you were 
And they were elated. <laughs> they thought this is the coolest thing in the world. We got every candle in the church. We lit the, lit the church with candles. And it was all dark up in front. But you know, uh, what we celebrate is their light. They were the light. Mm -hmm. All these yeah. people were the light. Yeah. Yeah. They were the light. Isn't that great? We don't, it was light and darkness. Yeah. It was just a great, great celebration. Oh, and Gary, the 34 years of the accident, I couldn't begin. That would be a whole other That would be, be, be series two. Huh? To the holiest times of my life, Gary, mm -hmm. went, being in the birthing room with Sue mm -hmm. and watching mm -hmm. That's the last two of my children because it took me enough. First mm -hmm. of all, I didn't have the courage to go in there with her. I wasn't mm -hmm. allowed to begin with. Right. Then I didn't have the courage to go with her. scared. <laughs> but the yeah. birthing room and then being with somebody this time. Mm -hmm. When you're in that room and family's there, I'll tell you what. You know, it, it's kind of like being in the birthing room. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's another birth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And death. Yeah. Yeah. But the people that uh, have allowed me to be a part of their life in an intimate way in the diaconate. Um, when in closing, Jim, I I want to ask you um, one question. You're you're 68 years old. Mm -hmm. You've you've uh, started as a young boy as, mm -hmm. as your Catholic faith and here you are 60 year, 68 years later how can you put that in a outline form condense it down for people that are looking to increase their faith mm -hmm. they they're feeling along mm -hmm. maybe they don't know for sure what it is but right. they're feeling this God's calling me right how can we take giant steps rather than baby steps what 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 did you do in your life that you, you shared you spent more time in prayer, yeah. more time in service, more time of, of getting rid of self? You know, if, if you had to share, not had to, but if you would share with us, what are some things that a person, as a, as a young Catholic, for instance, how can they enter into this going from seeking God, finding God, getting to knowing God, and then to loving God. How can we, can we speed those steps up? <laughs> you know, that's a tough question. You know, some of I us, have, some yeah. of us, myself included, it took that many years to, yeah, to start right, to, to right, get to right, that. Right. But you know, I, I think I think we can both take a look and say, you know, when, when we feel that call for, for God calling us, and we feel that longing for God, that, right. that we we have to heed that call, right, and we have to right. spend more time in prayer. Right. You know, and, and I'm, I'm totally convinced with my faith that it's in those quiet times that I can be intimate with God and yeah. listen to Jesus. And, and uh, it's not always easy to do. The world is struggling, pulling us in the other direction. Absolutely. I think that's a great, I think you answered your question. Okay, I think I did. I think it's just being faithful. Not necessarily faith, being faithful. Hang in there. Right. Hang in right. there. And uh, being faithful to Jesus through community. I think staying connected to community yeah. and being witnessed to by is, mm -hmm. is so essential. Jim, hey. 
Thank you it's very much. Great. It's been fun. <laughs> I didn't realize it was going to be this much fun. But, no, uh, thanks, Gary. And to do Mike, that. thank you. Do you want to close us in, in prayer, Jim? I would. Thank you very much. Uh, first of all, we just thank the Lord for this opportunity. I thank Gary and Mike. You know, for technology, how God can use technology in order to spread the kingdom. So we ask the Lord to send the Holy Spirit upon all of us in our, in our whole community that God continues to share God's comfort, love, and wisdom with all of us um, through this community. Anoint us with your spirit, Lord, and guide us through your church and through the leadership of your church. And we pray for our leadership today. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, thank you.